Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Okay, I know I said I was going to pause, but I just like went on to the next chapter because we, we already finished. Okay, ready, Peyton? Are you actually focusing? Yeah. <laughs> the Graveyard Riddle, chapter 32. And I think we're going to finish this right here while we sit. Look at this, we're almost done. Cool. <laughs> the next morning was sat. Oh, sorry, we're chapter 32. I don't know if I already said that. The next morning was Saturday. Mum was up early and I went to the kitchen and she was wearing an old t-shirt and some scruffy yoga pants. She had a scarf tied around her hair and on the table were two canvas bags filled with a selection of tools and gardening gloves. Beside those with a large plastic tub full of chocolate and brownies from the cafe. Good morning, darling. I thought we could do a good job. I thought we could do good. A good, wholesome breakfast to keep us going before the big graveyard cleanup, said Mum, slicing some banana into cereal bowls, filling them up with muesli. How did you sleep? All right, I lied. I felt like I hadn't slept at all. I was so worried about Jake and about what Jake would do when he spoke to Hal. I wanted to be there so I could smooth things over. I picked up the cereal bowl and sat at the table. Mum, do I have help? Do I have to help today? Mum frowned. Why? What's the matter, Melody? I just don't feel like it, I I said. I scraped the muesli with my spoon. Mum sat down opposite of me. But we've told Mr. Charles that we'll both be there, she said. We won't want to let him down. My stomach nodded. But can you go on your own, I said, not looking at her. Mum was quiet for a bit. What's the matter, Melody? She said. Is this about the move? I know it's really hard. You can talk to me, you know. It was how, it was how, dad's letter, having to move, and now Jake. It was everything. How could mum's, I could feel mum's eyes on me. It's nice to do something for the neighborhood, don't you think, she said. What neighborhood, I shouted. You want to move, remember? You don't even want to be a part of this neighborhood anymore. Mum sighed and stood up. I want you to help today, Melody, just like we said we would. She said, Mr. Charles is expecting both of us to be there. Okay, I'll come. (laughs) That sounds like a teenager, huh? Uh, Good, I will see you there, she said. Don't be long. I'll take take Frankie with me now. She went to the hallway. She went to the hallway, and Frankie followed when he heard his leash jingle. The door banged shut behind them. I left my breakfast and ran upstairs to get dressed. I checked through the window of our door, making sure that the coast was clear. Then, when I quickly walked out of the door and walked to the pathway to number one. As soon as I got inside, I went through the kitchen. Hal, are you here? I called. Hal? I went to the living room where Hal was on the sofa, covered in blankets. Melody, he croaked. He sat up and rubbed his eyes. How's Jake? He said. He's fine now, I said. There are nuts in the biscuit that you were giving to Wilson. And then Wilson licked Jake's face and set off an allergic reaction. Oh, no, that's awful. Hal said, frowning. Is he okay? I studied him as he spoke. Yes, but he was very... Yes, but it was very serious for a moment, I said. Hal, did you know that Jake had a nut allergy? He 
he his forehead wrinkled. No, you said he had allergies, but not what the what they were. I should have checked the ingredients, I guess. I'm sorry, Melody Bird. He did seem genuinely upset. Well, he's okay now, luckily, I said. But Matthew and Jake think that you tried to give him a biscuit on purpose. I think they're going to tell someone about you unless you show them proof of who you are, they, who you act really are. Hal sat up even more. He was wide awake now. But I've done that, he said quietly. He pulled up his knee wrap to his arms and around them. Wait, he pulled up his knees and wrapped his arms around them. I told Matthew all about the M18's interesting interest in hiring him. You don't believe me? I looked at the bo- the sad boy sitting on the sofa, wrapped in blankets. My throat felt dry when I swallowed. I, I don't know anymore, I said. The doorbell rang and Hal jumped. Who, who's that? He said, he looked frozen with fear. It's Jake and Matthew, I said. You need to convince them, Hal, or it's over. I ran to let them in. Jake stormed past me. Where is he? He shouted. He went to the living room and Matthew and I quickly followed. Let's sort this out once and for all, shall we? Said Jake. It's time to find out who you really are. He grabbed Hal's rucksack. No, said Hal. He kicked off the blankets and jumped up. Give it back. He grabbed one of the straps and pulled it out, but Jake quickly snatched it away and unzipped the zip. He tipped the contents of the rucksack onto the carpet and everything fell out in a heap. In the pile, I spotted a red woolen cardigan that Hal had been worried when I first met him, a comb, the flashlight, Matthew's binoculars, and a white envelope. I picked it up. It was something... It was from the town council. On the front was the name... H. Vincent, 408 Worley Tower, SX-132 LP. Worley Tower? This must be mail from ad- addressed to M18 headquarters. He was telling the truth. M18 did exist. Look, Worley Tower, I said. See? He's telling the truth. But Hal snatched the envelope from me. That's mine, he said. Snuff- stuffing it into his pocket, Jake dived to his knees and began to go through everything. These are yours for a start, said Jake, handing the binoculars to Matthew. But Melody got those for me, said Hal. I didn't steal them. He's right, Jake. I borrowed them. I said. Jake ignored me. Hal made a feeble attempt to grapple some of the things back, but Jake easily pushed them him onto the sofa. I don't understand, Hal said. He wrapped his arms tightly around himself. I am Special Agent Hal Vincent. I am not a criminal. He looked so sad. Jake, that's enough. I said, you're upsetting him. Jake threw the items to one side. Ah, and now, this is more like it. Who did you steal this from, eh? Jake held up a black digital watch. Hal's eyes widened as he began to breathe heavily through his nose. Give it back, he said. Jake waved it. Stole stole it from some poor, unsuspecting victim, did you? You make me sick, he said. Neither of them moved for a moment, and then Hal lurched towards Jake, Jake's outstretched hand. Jake quickly switched it to the other hand and put it behind his back. Come on, Jake, said Matthew. That's enough now, hey? But Jake wasn't listening. He held the watch behind him, his back and moving into his other hand every time Hal tried to grab it. Jake, cut it out, I said. Hal looked more and more desperate trying to grab the watch. It's not what you think, is it? I shouted. It belongs to the M18. It's a communication device. Jake stopped and stared at the black plastic watch in his palm. 
You're joking, he said. He looked at it closely. It's just a cheap piece of rubbish. It's not rubbish. My mum gave that to me, he shouted. He took another leap towards Jake's hand, but the watch flew into the air and smashed against the wall. No, cried Hal. He fell to his knees and stared at the shattered piece on the floor. Then he began to frantically pick every tiny shard of glass and plastic. Some were small that you could barely see them. Every When every piece had been collected, he cupped them in his hands and began to cry. His My mouth hung open as I watched him. Hal, are you okay? He. I looked at Jake and Matthew, and they both looked just as baffled. Hal, what did you mean that your mum gave that watch to you? Hal, what did you mean? Hal kept his head down, sobbing quietly. I looked at Matthew. I think you two should go now. Jake looked shaken by Hal's reaction, but he wasn't going to, going to leave. He's lying, he said quickly, about everything. Come on, Jake, said Matthew. Melody's right. Let's just leave for now. The two of them turned and went to the living room. I heard fr- the front door click quietly behind them. I slowly began to collect Hal's things and put them back into his rucksack. I folded up his red cardigan and put it at the bottom. On top of that, I put his... Thin trousers, a pair of undershorts, and socks. There we are, I said. That's everything put away. I looked at the boy who was crouched on the floor, hugging his knees as he cried. Hal, are you okay? You're frightening me. Very slowly, he lifted his head. His eyes were red around the rims, and his cheeks were blotchy. He looked at me, but his face had a a puzzled expression. It It was as if he'd just been woken up from a very long sleep. I, I, he stammered. I knelt down beside him and put my arm around him. Please tell me what's wrong, I said. He blinked. He blinked at me. The tears had stopped now. I watched as he swallowed and took a long, calming break. I don't know who I am, he said. (gasps) All right. Well, he's not a secret agent, like we thought. I think he was an orphan that ran away and he's been just taking care of himself. What do you think? Let's see.